Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is the 14th of June, 2022. What a difference nine months make. Almost nine months ago, I had young journalist Ethan Lau on the show uh, talking about his new book um, back then, nine months ago, Once a Bitcoin Miner, about the Bitcoin craze. Uh, and we headlined it, Ethan Lau on Crypto and the Bitcoin Boom. There's anything but a Bitcoin boom at the moment. If we look at the charts, Bitcoin is dramatically down. Uh, it's one uh, cryptocurrency. Uh, Ethereum is also down. Uh, the news today is that Coinbase, one of the platforms for the exchange of crypto, announced today that 20% of its staff were getting um, cut overnight. Uh, Celsius, um, I don't even know how we describe uh, Celsius. It's a, a, a highly speculative endeavor. Uh, seems to have collapsed overnight. And altogether, uh, things are very bad on the crypto front. Um, people are asking who pays for crypto collapse? $500 billion have been lost, perhaps more. When, um, when Ethan Lau was on the show last year, uh, he talked about how 2021 will be remembered as the year got, crypto got serious. Ethan is back. He's still, I think, in his kitchen in uh, in Toronto. Uh, Ethan, um, what is 2022 going to be remembered on as if uh, 2021 was the year that Bitcoin uh, and crypto got serious? Well, it's going to be known as the great crypto winter. That was how 2018 was. That was what 2018 was known as. The great winter, which means it can come back. If there's a winter, there's always a spring. Is there nothing final about this collapse? How would you historicize it? What does it mean, Ethan? Mm -hmm. These various collapses. Uh, uh, there are a number of Korean platforms that have collapsed overnight. Uh, billions of dollars, many people's lives have been ruined by this collapse. What do you make of it? Well, this is about the seventh or eighth time that, that this has happened. And it, it, it doesn't mean the end, but it doesn't mean it won't happen again. I think this is simply the way of the crypto market cycle. Uh, we had uh, earlier today... Um... Uh, Christopher Leonard, a uh, prominent American uh, financial journalist on the show, talking about the rise of inflation. And he suggests that the QE policy of the Federal Reserve over the last 12 years has resulted in simply cash flooding, flooding the system and has triggered this obsession, this mania for speculative ventures like crypto. That's going to change. Uh, the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates dramatically over the next few months. Do you think this will have an impact on crypto in, in, in the context of there being less money around? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think you're very right on that. And a lot of the crypto to uh, precisely this, uh, how governments are trying to deal with the pandemic by uh, 
by assuring central banks are shoring up their balance sheets and also uh, lowering interest rates. And now that they are going up again, yep, I think it's it's quite possible we will see more pain ahead. Well, we're certainly going to see more pain ahead. Who who's been pained? Who's been hurt so far, Ethan? Um, Andy Kessler wrote a good piece, as I suggested earlier in the Wall Street Journal uh, earlier this week. Um, who pays for crypto's collapse? Is it the small investors? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, and I, I think it, it would it will help to zoom out. And crypto is a big world, and who is really suffering right now? It's not necessarily everyone within this space. If you have bought into Bitcoin uh, any time in the last two years, and and certainly any time before the last two years, but even the last two years. I think there's like a 50% chance not only have you not lost money, you uh, you might still be in the red because Bitcoin's price right now, after all of this collapse, it's still pretty much the price it was at um, toward the end of 2020. But if you look deeper into this world, if you look at specific sectors, for example, we talked about Celsius just now, and there's also Terra, that South Korean project. If you if you had money in that, you you pretty much lost everything. Right. I mean, so, you woke up one morning and whatever you whatever, however many dollars you had, you lost it entirely. I think it was worth less than one percent of the original value. So, you know, one of the things that's confusing me, uh, Ethan, and you're the expert, so you can clarify is what is being built here? I mean, clearly there's a lot of speculative energy. Some people have made fortunes. Others have lost fortunes. But where are we in June 2022 in terms of the the architecture of a crypto world? What exists and, and what can people actually do with this thing? Uh, well, I, I think I, I stop me if you've heard this before, if I said this uh, when I appeared on your show last. So uh, in terms of what people can do with it, there was this girl in Afghanistan. She was uh, try, trying to escape and and this was before the Tali- the government fell to the Taliban. And what we don't often talk about is that refugees, when they leave the country, they don't necessarily, uh, uh, they're not able to, to bring all their money with them. And uh, a lot of the time they leave penniless, but she had, she had two Bitcoins and she was able to memorize the passphrase to, uh, to her Bitcoins. And she had a harrow- harrowing journey out. She uh, crossed the Mediterranean and her ship sank while she was crossing it. And she went through lots of very unpleasant countries uh, like Turkey and Iran. But when she ultimately landed in Germany, she had nothing but the clothes on her back. But she carried in her head uh, her her passphrase and she's effectively carrying money in her head. And I guess this is what people say is the the value proposition of Bitcoin. And, And again, crypto is a big world. So different projects, they, they do different things and they have developed, I think, quite greatly um, over the past few years. But I, I think um, to, to address, I think what I think is the essence of your question, the issue is that for a company uh, like Tesla, for example, analysts have ways to to value a company. Uh, you know, it's the stock is trading at this price, but it's making this much money. So uh, is it's really supposed to be that high. Maybe it's supposed to be a little lower, but I think crypto, we're not really valuing it correctly. So, and we don't really know how to value it. And so what is 
the fair market price of a Bitcoin. And I think as a result, because of this easy money, there's a lot of froth uh, in the market. And when markets get frothy, the, the, the come down is, is always painful. I mean, there's no doubt about the froth. That's self-evident. The real question is what's underneath the froth, if there is anything. I'm not particularly convinced, I have to admit, by your story of the Afghan refugee carrying Bitcoin codes in her head when she arrives in Germany, she can cash out. Is that your argument or is that other people's argument? Is this the real justification? Is this what's really being built so that if a young woman does happen to escape Afghanistan and the banks collapse, she can break, bring some wealth with her? Maybe there's some truth to that, but it doesn't seem very substantial, that argument. Well, that is that is one argument for, for one uh, specific area of crypto. So that that is that is Bitcoin's argument. And there, there is another story I can tell you. So and stop me again if you've heard this. I feel like when I was doing the book promotion, I've been telling this like a, a dozen times or something. So there is a, uh, there's a, this is a story about Vitalik Buterin. So if you remember the, him, the founder of uh, Ethereum, right? Yes. Uh, and he, uh, he, he told this story as a joke, but it, I think that there's a, there's a lesson to be gleaned from gleaned from the parable. So he's a great fan of the game World of Warcraft, and he played it a lot. And he's put he put a lot of effort into it. And in a role playing game, you know, sometimes that's your world. You interact with with people there, and you you spend time in there, and your experiences and uh, what you would get for your experiences, the achievements you make in the game. I think to lots of people they are as real as as real life but real life i think the luckier of us we have we we have rights and we have due process but online you know we we don't have any rights we are beholden unconditionally to these internet companies and one day the the company behind the world of warcraft just uh, arbitrarily decided to take away a trait from vitalik buterin's character and he wrote, I, I cried myself to sleep. And I, I think what a lot of crypto is trying to do, it's to create a more democratized form of internet where we are not so much beholden to big tech. And this is the value proposition of, of an NFT. And, and clearly we're not, there, we're not there yet, but there has been growth in that field. And I, I think at least it's theoretically, it's a, it's a worthy aspirational target. Yeah, I have to admit, again, I'm not particularly convinced on that for two reasons. Firstly, um, Viterian's concern about World of Warcraft is hardly a big tech company and crying himself to sleep because they appropriated what a, an image, what a card. I don't even understand what he was so upset about. Oh, that's just an example, man. But imagine your email. But, but it, it, imagine uh, this platform. Uh, I, I tell you, Ethan, but it, it's very childish to 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 to, to found a, a you know a, a multi-trillion-dollar financial system on on some perceived injustice on World of Warcraft. Oh, it's a joke, man. I told you at the start. He said that as a joke. Well, what's funny about it? Well, I don't know. You have. I, I have to, well, you know, I you're the one who says him. it's a joke. Why, why is that amusing? He said it's a joke, man. Right, but. I asked you where the value is and that, I mean, it may be a funny joke to insiders. I, I don't really understand the humor. What is being built? It's still not clear to me. 
I mean, you're the expert. You've written books about it. You're part of the community. I mean, I'm not even sure if you're much of an evangelist. I mean, you're a journalist covering this stuff. So you see it from both sides, both perhaps a little more skeptically, but also you see it as an insider. Well, um, maybe a different example. So during the Ukraine war, so the lots of people were shunning Russia and lots of companies were doing that for no good reason. And, you know, they, they weren't uh, forced to do so by laws, but they just wanted to show their solidarity with Ukraine. So one of those companies was uh, uh, EA Entertainment. I think that's the full name. Yeah, Electronic Arts, yeah. Uh, they decided to uh, remove all the Russian teams from the, the football game, uh, FIFA 2022. But yes, the thing is, FIFA 2022, that's not, uh, that's not an up upcoming game. That's a game people already have, and that wasn't subscription based. You know, the people, I think at least in Canada, uh, they bought, they paid seventy nine ninety nine for it, which is quite a bit of money. And why do people buy FIFA? It's because you want to play as the teams that you support. Because uh, I don't know if you play it, but one of its greatest features is that the characters there, you know, they look eerily like real life, and so retroactively, FIFA. Uh, EA just removed a feature that millions of people already paid for. And I think this is the world we live in because uh, increasingly we are very beholden to these big tech companies. We live our lives online, but we don't have any rights. And I guess what Ethereum is trying to do, what companies like it are trying to do, it's to give us back some of these rights. You talk about big tech, but aren't some of these crypto companies aren't they also supported by large venture firms uh, coinbase for example is backed by union square ventures andreessen horowitz the biggest venture capital firm in silicon valley is pouring billions of dollars into the space what distinguishes uh, a crypto company from you know the web three crypto companies from the web two companies like google or facebook or amazon uh -huh. Yeah, uh, well, you, you raise a good point. It could be like the case in uh, in uh, Animal Farm, you know, when the pigs usurp the humans, they start walking upright. So I think in some cases, uh, a good idea doesn't necessarily equal good implementation. What about the, 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 the brutal critique, Ethan, that this is just really, when it comes down to it, when you boil it all down, this is just a, a, a sophisticated Ponzi scheme by investors who understand that they've created an enormous amount of froth, of confusion, of language, which most people don't really understand, that makes some sense, but not complete sense. And they've attracted all these mostly kids. I mean, as I said, I mean, in Korea, one in four South Korean college students has invested in crypto. These are the people losing. And this ultimately will be remembered as just another Ponzi scheme where the rich got richer and everyone else lost their shirts. Well, crypto is a big world. And I, I, I do think uh, a lot of it is full of Ponzi schemes. But I, I don't think that means the whole thing is, uh, is, it, 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 it is a scam. I think if you look at the, the first video call that was made by Herbert Hoover, and that was before he became U.S. president. So that was like 100 years ago. But we found a way uh, to use that. It became a prevalent thing about 100 years later. 
And so it it takes a while. And sometimes I think we all forget this thing, crypto. It's just 13 years old. I buy that. Although, again, there are sometimes examples of things that just don't work and, 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 and die out. Where are we then in the narrative? Uh, are we at the dot-com bust of the late 90s uh, when the internet was still in its infancy and, and those arguments were being made? How mature is the crypto market? Uh, uh, well, I, I think we are right. You, you are right that we are at the, 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 the dot-com boom phase, but I think the, the nature of crypto, the events that happened in, happen in years in the wider world can happen in weeks. So. I think we crypto will go through a lot of those dot-com uh, bubble bursts. How much accountability should celebrities, for example, have? Kessler writes about this. Matt Damon featured in a, a crypto.com um, advertisement about commitment. We've got 20, almost 20 million views on YouTube. People like Damon are profiting. Um, should celebrities be more careful in, careful in ending their name? to some of these schemes, which, as I've suggested, at least to me, seem like Ponzi schemes? Uh, well, I, I think uh, each of them, they're actually promoting very different things. So Matt Damon, he was promoting a, a platform where you buy and sell crypto. That is, a, that is a business, and that is a different thing from what I'm... I can't remember off the top of my head what uh, Kim Kardashian was promoting, but I know Floyd Mayweather, the boxer, for example, he had uh, basically promoted a whole lot of crap, like actual actual Ponzi scheme things, and he was fined by the SEC. So has uh, DJ Khalid. I know Steven Seagal. He has, yeah, yeah and like they were promoting actual Ponzi schemes. Uh, I and but I think on the whole, uh, for the savvy investor, when you see crypto. Uh, crypto being promoted by celebrities, I, I think the conclusion to draw is that that is the shoeshine boy moment. That's when uh, Joe, Joe Kennedy, the, the father of the JFK president, when he sold everything he owned because he saw the boy who shined his shoes giving him stock tips. And so it usually when the celebrities come in, and we saw this during the last cycle as, as well, it's when the market becomes overheated. Yeah, and there's no doubt the market's and and that's a euphemism even overheated what is what has been built over the last 10 years what what do you think is meaningful uh, just as in the dot com boom there clearly was some companies that survived amazon for example google was founded in 1998 um, the architecture the plumbing of the internet existed what, what should we be positive about in terms of what has occurred in the crypto world over the last five years? Uh-huh. Uh, well, I, I guess you're, you're, you're asking like what, uh, what, what, what use has an average person got for... No, that wasn't my question because clearly there's no use at the moment of crypto for average people. I mean, maybe for a, an Afghan refugee girl with a, with a head for computers, which is not typical um but clearly for most people including myself it has no value but what i meant was what has been built in terms of the the plumbing if you like or the architecture the technological architecture of a crypto world of a web3 world that is 
valuable that will be maintained in spite of all the Celsius's and Terra USD meltdowns? What will remain after this particular crisis? Because you've said that it's just another crisis. We've had crises in the past and we'll have them in the future. And, and I buy that in a sense. But what, 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 what I don't understand is what actually has been built. What is there that will be built on uh, for future generations of, of, of crypto investors and activists and users? Hmm. Well, I... I, I think if we, if we list everything, we'll go on all day. But maybe well, I'll just me, narrow it down. Let's two or three things. Yeah, I'll, I'll narrow it down to, to two things. I, I think uh, f- first, firstly, I think we we have seen entire countries adopted as legal tender, and we have seen uh, really uh, publicly traded companies with really high valuations added to their added to their balance sheets. We have seen we uh, also similar companies letting people pay for their stuff with crypto and so there there's definitely a greater use for it and uh but, but give me some, some names and countries you talk about countries i know the el salvador experiment which i'm not saying el salvador isn't a country but it's not the most convincing of countries i heard that you can now buy a burrito using crypto although i, I don't suppose anyone is doing that give me Give me names of companies that are actually doing this that is meaningful. Uh, MicroStrategy, Tesla, and I think Microsoft did it as well. Can you buy a Tesla now with crypto? I think you can buy with Dogecoin or something, but for for a while you could. Uh, uh, Maybe you can. Yeah, I don't know. I thought that uh, Musk made it clear that you couldn't. And there is there are payment processes. So if you're familiar with uh, Shopify, which is basically yeah. that uh, the they they are accepting crypto, and any merchant with Shopify can accept crypto. And uh, yeah, honestly, you don't need to hear it from me. If you Google like companies accepting crypto, you'll find a list. Um, so I, I think that that's w- w- one thing I, I would say. And the the second thing is I think the the concept of NFTs. So. Uh, Twitter now allows NFTs as profile pictures, and they make a difference. So if if your profile picture is an NFT, they can they can be, you can basically tell the world that you own this picture. There is an authentication mechanism attached to a Twitter profile, and I guess it prevents people from impersonating you. and And it's it's a pretty neat little feature, and I'm sure it will get uh, wider adoption, I guess, uh, across the internet. Well, you call it a neat feature, which I think might be one way of describing it. I mean, all NFTs do is create the quote-unquote authentic first version. Um, so they give some value to the first image. But I don't really understand why that's going to change everything. Certainly when it comes to music online, um, whether that secures digital ownership. It's, it's not entirely clear what the relationship between NFTs are. What about countries? You mentioned countries. Which country were you thinking of? Well, I was thinking of Salvador. And uh, there's also, I think, uh, Central African Republic. Uh, it, it's definitely made some announcement. And I apologize if I said countries plural. I was, I was mainly talking about El Salvador. 
Well, you mentioned um, joking earlier. Are you serious? El Salvador is an incredibly, incredibly poor country, incredibly violent country, a country with a, a disintegrating state. Why would you use that as an example? Well, I'm not saying uh, there's any any merit to uh, El Salvador's moves itself, but uh, the, the the fact that one country has done this, it paves the way for, for other people to follow. How many chances do you think crypto will have? You clearly can tell I'm a skeptic. Um, do you think at a certain point people will lose patience when in two or three more crashes people keep on saying, well, it'll eventually happen? At what point? Will crypto have its final hurrah? Does it? Is is there a is there a moment where it has to become real? Well, I think crypto is a big world. Uh, I, I think uh, the the question could, would be better framed as: uh, At what point uh, would uh, this specific crypto project or a specific coin uh, have its last hurrah moment? Because I, I think otherwise, it's like saying. At what point will the the stock market be over? Look at the number of crashes it has had, and is this the end? And I, I think, just as just as it is not for the stock market, it definitely isn't that way for crypto. I think that's a fair point, uh, Ethan. So, so what should we be cheerful about? I showed some images of the decline of, of Bitcoin and of Ethereum, but they they declined, but they haven't collapsed completely. Are they more encouraging? Do you think? Yeah, and I, I think uh, for the listeners who are or the viewers right now who can see the screen, uh, maybe you can pull the. Yeah, the here's um, his crypto, uh, his Bitcoin. Yeah, and if you down, click on still at two, twenty thousand, which obviously it's not where it was uh, earlier this year at seventy thousand, but it's still at twenty thousand. Yeah, what if you click on Max? I can't click on Max because this is a screenshot. What would Max show us? Oh. Oh, I thought you had a browser open. Uh, well, if you click on Max, it'll show you like a, almost like a exponential curve all the way up. Uh, the price Bitcoin is at right now, that was its price toward the end of 2020. So all that has happened is that all the gains during the pandemic, they were lost. And the same with Ethereum. Yeah, more or less. I, I think uh, all, all the other coins, they more or less follow Bitcoin up and down. So I, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't really look at the, the prices for the smaller coins, really. How would you describe yourself? You're a journalist. Mm -hmm. Are you an enthusiast? Do you own crypto? Yeah, I, I, I do. But I, I do make personal investments. So I I, I invest in quite a lot of things, and uh, crypto is among them. But I, 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 w I wouldn't call myself like a like an evangelist or like someone who is rah rah crypto. And in fact, I, I think I am skeptical about ninety percent of what's out there, and like the stuff uh, probably what Kim Kardashian has been promoting because it, uh, I, I think it's it's a high chance if I go look this up later, it's going to be something like what Steven Seagal had promoted like what the boxer Floyd Mayweather had promoted. So, um, so in other words, yeah, I guess basically just a scam, do you think? What was that? A scam. Yeah, I, I like what what uh, various celebrities are promoting. I think there are there's a lot of scam in this crypto world, but that doesn't mean the whole thing is a scam.
how are people reacting? Friends of yours, associates, you you know this world, people who lose all their money overnight, people who lose 80, 90% of their savings. Lots of stories in the press about suicides, about families losing everything, college funds, people becoming homeless. Sometimes they're over-dramatized. What's your sense of the crypto community's reaction to this particular sharp correction, if that's the right way of putting it? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think the the reactions will, will probably be they'll probably vary depending on how long you have been in this space. I think there are people who have seen this happen seven, eight times and they've they've sort of become numb. They've sort of become more Zen. But I, I can certainly imagine people who heard about crypto for the first time or decided to go in on the, fir- the first time when they heard about it in like 2000, 2021. And I guess I don't really have any, anyone like that, like, uh, in my social circle, I think either people around me, they either, they've either been at it for a while or they know nothing about it Two extremes. So, uh, I guess within my social circle, it's, uh, it's probably been, uh, the same as, as it has always been. Janet, uh, Yellen, the U S treasury secretary recently uh, actually today said that uh, crypto is very risky, unsuitable for most retirement savers. I'm not sure if you have parents or grandparents, um, Ethan, but would you advise them or relatives to invest in crypto, put their retirement saving? Um, I, I guess it depends on how old you are. And I, I think any uh, financial advisor will, will tell you the same thing as what I'm going to say. Uh, the the younger you are the more risk you can tolerate and uh, if you are approaching retirement uh what uh if you have someone managing managing your money what they do throughout your lifetime is they put it uh they take it out of riskier investments and out of the stock market altogether at times putting it more into like bonds and stuff etc as you get older and i think for someone like 60 to 70 years old I think maybe their portfolio would be uh, entirely bonds and maybe like 20% stocks or something like that. So yeah, uh, I guess maybe this is uh, like tech stocks. This is a young man's game. Finally, Ethan, as I said, there are two dominant financial stories these days. There's the inflation story. I talked to Christopher Leonard about that recently. And then there's the collapse of crypto. You seem to suggest that there may be a connection. I saw a piece in which you argue that a central bank digital currency could be an inflation fighter's best friend. As central banks are confronted with inflation and fighting it, this is going to be the dominant economic reality of the next few years. How could cryptocurrencies, how could that help a central bank tame inflation? So I I, I think first off, I should add the caveat uh, of the word uh, could in in, in the headline. That was uh, that was like a, a thought exercise. So speaking academically, of course, well, um, might I mean, yeah. I understand that nothing's certainly when it comes to taming inflation, nothing's for sure. But you're suggesting there's a possibility. Yeah, and perhaps not so much like fighting inflation that's already there, but preventing how we uh, had all of this inflation in the first place. Because monetary policy, it's always uh, a blunt instrument. 
and you don't get a lot of feedback as well. You only know how when you lower interest rates, you only know the effects of that maybe months down the line when the data comes back. And so it's not the most effective tool. But if you have a central bank digital currency, theoretically, you know, you you have a lot of data available to you. You can push it out instantaneously and it's even programmable. So you can say, I want to push this amount of money to these people in this area to spend on this specific thing. And, you know, you're when you when you can micro target people, uh, I guess it, it, it might be a, a, a better way than than just throwing money at them uh, indiscriminately. Well, micro-targeting might be true. It's an interesting idea. Ethan uh, Lau, uh, once a Bitcoin miner, came out last year. The Bitcoin world has changed dramatically, or maybe not so dramatically, if you listen to what Ethan is saying, because these sharp swings in the fortune of, 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 of cryptocurrencies are, are not unusual, and veterans like Ethan understand them and, and, and maintain their calm. Uh, your book is still out there, uh, Ethan, a very interesting read, Once a Bitcoin Miner. What else have you been reading these days uh-huh. to take your mind off all your losses in crypto? Well, I I don't have a lot of losses in crypto, so I, I, I should put that out. But I'm teasing you. Uh, I Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I've been reading uh, some Joseph Conrad. I, uh-huh. uh, I finished Heart of Darkness, and I'm reading The Secret Sharer now, and... What, and I think like everyone, I watched uh, Apocalypse Now when I was 15, but I didn't really understand it much. So I, when I'm reading it now, I feel like I'm going in with... Interesting was that I, I, I'm i reading like compilation of like critical supplementary material. I really love the, the prose of the guy who edited it because he wrote a biographical sketch of Conrad. And that was just mind blowing. 